Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 Podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp, and Blake Alderman is here with me today. Florida is to take on Towson this weekend. Blake, I think I'm safe in saying that we're probably not going to spend a whole lot of time on this particular episode of the podcast talking about Towson. Uh, but we'll get into some some of it, and we'll obviously you know kind of wrap up where Florida's at, having gone through a week of practice. Uh, I think fans will be able to get a great look at kind of you know Florida's preparations for this Towson game with HBO in town this week. So anybody that's an HBO subscriber, uh, you know, next I believe it's Tuesday. Uh, the show will come out kind of a hard knock style show. I think that'll be really cool. It'll give us a little glimpse into Dan Mullen's program. Um, but before we get any further, Blake, I, I want to go ahead and apologize if my uh, my voice gives out on me a little bit here. I've been under the weather a little bit for the last week or so. Uh, so I'll do my best, uh, but I may have to toss it over to you once or twice. I can hear you coughing too. So I know stuff's going around right now. Hopefully everybody out there listening is, is feeling all right. Blake, let's uh, let's go ahead and dive into it. First off, uh, I wanted to touch on Brenton Cox. You know, there were some rumors kind of early in the week. Um, that he was maybe going to be cleared. I know I had even gotten a text about it and kind of reached out to you and, and Bob Redman, and uh, we hit as many sources as we could. Uh, go ahead and, I guess, fill me in on basically where things stand at this point from, from what you know based on you know who you've talked to and, and obviously you know kind of the research we've done on it behind the scenes ourselves. Yeah, you know, there was just so much you know smoke on social media, which usually – could mean something, could not, and obviously we did our due diligence and kind of checked around. I hit a couple sources, um, and really there just isn't any update. You know, there there just hasn't been any clearance. Um, I believe from either the NCAA, and even if that does happen, you know, I don't know if it could happen. You know, it could happen tomorrow. It could happen next week. It could happen two days from now. You know, mm-hmm. we don't know that. But not only will Florida have to get clearance from the NCAA, but they'll also have to get clearance from the SEC. So this is a gradual process, and it doesn't seem like it's one that's going to be moving very quickly because there's the same update as there was. The day that he enrolled. Now, I know a lot of people, obviously, you know, he's a five-star prospect from Georgia. A lot of people would love to see him cleared. Would give you a little bit more ammo on that pass rush, you know, which is already really good. Um, And I think when you're looking at this Florida defense, there's a lot of question marks about, you know, can Florida survive this injury to Jabari Zaniga if, say, he comes back and, you know, tweaks it again. And I think Cox would certainly help that. But I think in some of the positivity, I think a lot of times in this day and age – you know, something gets said once somewhere, and then all of a sudden, the next guy says, oh, I heard this, or I heard this, and then people are flooding the message boards asking about it, and like, almost trying to make the news happen, it seems like, like, it, it seemed like there was a lot of that going on, um, uh, so, so one of the, one of the questions, I guess, that came up, I know, on our message board, and, and maybe Twitter, and some other places, was, oh, is it possible that Florida is, uh, kind of trying to coordinate this, and keep it under wraps, so that they can spring him out against Auburn, and, um, I, I guess, for me, maybe maybe that's possible. Um, I, I think it seems very, very unlikely based on everything I've seen in the 12 years of doing this. I think the thing that, that people have to realize is when you're talking about a college football program the size of Florida, um, 
there are literally hundreds and hundreds of people that are involved in this operation. And news of you know the NCAA clearing Brenton Cox wouldn't necessarily straight go you know go straight to Dan Mullen. It's going to go through um, you know some of their compliance department, some of the other chains. And so the amount of people you're talking about that would have access to the kind of information if Cox was cleared is pretty large. So I'm not saying it can't happen where, you know, maybe Dan Mullen is just keeping this thing under wraps. Um, but it's extremely, extremely unlikely that as many sources as we talked to, we would just have no idea about it. Um, so I, I wanted to kind of answer that because I know that's, that's, you know, the question that a lot of people have, well, Ooh, you know, holding out this optimism that maybe he's cleared against Auburn. Um, I think that's really unlikely. That's not to say the NCAA can't turn around next week and, and you know, say, hey, he's cleared. Um, but I think for Florida, it's it's more a case of, you know, having a luxury at this point of an extra pass rusher rather than maybe necessarily needing Cox at this point. Right. You know, I think at this point you want to just get him acclimated, keep him, you know, he's obviously practicing with the team, which is good for mm-hmm. if it does happen for him to be cleared. Obviously, he does have somewhat of an idea of what's going on just because he's had the, you know, the option of being able to practice. But, you know, I think at this point, Florida, like you said, he's a luxury. You know, if I think next year is when you really want to let him loose. Um, you'll lose a guy like John Grenard um, just from him being, uh, you know, that graduate type of guy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's obviously a bright piece of Florida's future. You'd love to have him there with, you know, Jabari Zuniga when he's healthy. You'd love to have him there whenever you have John Grenard. Both of those guys have really gotten after it. And Florida's pass rush has been awesome so far this year. So, I mean, it's nothing but, uh, like, great if they get him for the Auburn game. But for the time being, there just doesn't seem to be an update. Well, and the other thing that's interesting to me is, and we reported this on Swamp247.com, is Cox has been working with the scout team. Um, so while he's in all these meetings with, you know, the defensive unit and the linebackers, the rush ends. Um, so he's understanding the defense from that standpoint, but he's really not getting a whole lot of reps right now, actually practicing that defense. You know, Florida's really been using him to say, okay, guys, we have an elite guy that we can put on the scout team who's not available right now, but can really, really get us some quality looks against a pass rusher. Um, so the other thing you got to worry about is, you know, how quickly can he make that transition to really repping Florida's defense more? And I think that's something I want to ask Dan Mullen about, you know, how because I, I don't I don't have a good idea. You know, how long does it take? You know, how much how much of practices is he spending, you know, actually learning the defense? I'd imagine like individual periods, stuff like that, where they're going through walkthroughs. He's probably with the regular defense. But when they're doing, you know, pass skeleton 11 on 11, that type of stuff, I'd venture to guess he's pretty much, you know, solely with the scout team, which means you've got a little bit at least of a transition period, even once he's cleared to getting him in the full defense. Right, even if you get him cleared, I don't know that he's going to be, you know, full go of understanding what's going on. It'll be one of those things to where you have a five-star guy who has a nose for the quarterback, and you just throw him out there and you say, "Go get the quarterback." That's that's pretty much what you'll get out of him this year. <laughs> Absolutely, and and look, the other thing is, uh, you know, some people have asked kind of like, okay, if if he does get cleared, say midway through the season, are we best holding him to only four games to redshirt him? I don't think so. I think that guy's talented enough. Um, that he's he's a guy that's probably not going to be here for five years, which is really the only reason it makes sense to take a red shirt. So if you're Florida and you're getting late into the season and all of a sudden, you know, say just before Georgia week or, you know, even later than that, he gets cleared. I think you play the guy. I mean, I you know, get him, get his feet wet, learn what you have so that, you know, going into 29 or 2020, you have a pretty good idea what he has. But um, yeah, so that I mean, that's the scoop on him right now. No real updates. We'll continue to ask Dan Mullen. I know he's, he's probably getting tired of the questions at this point. Uh, you know, I'm sure he's frustrated with waiting on the NCAA, but that's just kind of how these things go. So uh, I'm glad we were able to hit on that. I want to kind of shift more. You know, I said we're not going to talk about Towson a whole lot. And I, one of the reasons we're not going to do that a whole lot is 
frankly, I don't know much about Towson. Like, I know Joe Flacco's younger brothers, their quarterback. I couldn't even spell the school right like two weeks ago. I spelled Townsend like the punter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, it, but it's funny. Like, I even asked, I asked Dan Mullen on Monday. I was like, okay, look, dude, I don't, I don't know much about Towson. Can you kind of like break down what they look like on both sides of the ball? And his answer was basically, uh, well, you know, they play, they play really hard, and then, you know, they're a veteran team that's kind of homegrown, and they know how to win. But, like, nowhere in there did he say, like, oh, yeah, you know, they run, like, a lot of 11 personnel on offense. Like, they run kind of a unique defense. Like, we got more detail even on, on UT Martin. So I thought that was just kind of funny. You know, obviously, I think Towson's a better team. They're, they're one of the better FCS teams, um, you know, and I know they're ranked in the top 10 and all that in their division. Um, but, frankly, this game is much more about Florida, Blake. Absolutely. I think this is one of those deals where, you know, we've talked about it before that Mullen is really, he, he's very scripted in his play calling. Um, you know, the run, obviously, look at the UT Martin game. Florida's run game has not been great leading up to that game, and they really made it a point to try to run the ball. I think this is kind of like a glorified scrimmage, so to say, for them. You know, obviously mm-hmm. Florida's going to, you can't take an opponent lightly and, you know, all that good fun stuff. But at the same time, too, I think they're going to be ro- working on things specifically, trying to, you know, work out kinks and get things going for a big Auburn game that's coming the next weekend. Well, and we even, we've t- we talked about it in the last podcast. I think they even did that against Tennessee, which, you know, it's always a luxury when you can do that against a conference rival. But, I mean, you know, fans are early on in that game going, yo, you know, we're, we're passing the ball at will. Why in the world are we, you know, continuing to pound the ball in these weird situations? And I think the answer is Dan Mullen obviously felt very comfortable in that game. But he also knows they have to get the run game going. And there's only a limited amount of time you can get to work on it before Auburn. And uh, one of the things talking to Dan Mullen this week, I kind of asked him, and the question seems ridiculously obvious. Like, okay, w- you know, what's the difference of getting reps in a game versus practice? Well, obviously, there's things you can't simulate that happen in games, and, and things go a lot quicker. Um, the defense is able to make adjustments that you're not necessarily, you know, telling them. Where you know, in practice, you you tell the defense something, the offense has a pretty good idea what to expect. Um, so those kind of issues and learning how to adjust to those, I thought, were really important. And I think I think you're absolutely right. I think this is another game where you're going to see Florida. They're going to pass, you know, because because I think that they need to continue to see what Kyle Trask has. But I think you know we saw it a lot last week with Richard Guriage getting in there a good bit on the offensive line. You know, that was the first time Florida really started to rotate. You know, try to find some different combinations. I think we're going to see a lot of that again this week against Towson. No. Yeah, I would think so. I, I think you kind of have to. It, it, there's just such a big game for Florida coming up against Auburn, and, and there's just so many questions, whether it be the run game, whether it be you know which personnel do you feel like you get the best fit up front. Um, you know, even they're dealing with some injuries on defense that, you know, I, I'm not too sure if I, I don't expect guys like Jabari Zaniga, CJ Henderson back just because you have, again, a big Auburn game, unless you want to work some rust off of them. I, I don't know personally if I see them making an impact in the game, just, I, I think you should sit them and, and make sure they're hundred percent go. Um, but, you know, I just think that this game is just really one of those times where Florida can work on things. You know, you put some tape you know, for Auburn, whether it's, you know, for them, them to work on, you know, whether it's Emory Jones or, or, you know, whether it's, you know, you, you throw one offensive line unit out and you play a different one out there, you know, whatever you want to work on in practice. But I think this is just one of those things where Florida's uh, working on the run game needs to be the first and foremost part of what they work on, on top of getting trash, those snaps and different looks on a defense. But, you know, it's just a chance for this offense to kind of work out some kinks against an opponent that probably isn't going to put up much of a fight. Well, you, you raise an interesting point too, is, um, I think Dan Mullen, we've seen more throughout the years, he'll put some wrinkles out there against some of these smaller teams right ahead of a big game just to force you to prepare for it. Um, 
I think that's something we could definitely see with Emory Jones. I mean, we saw him more against Tennessee last week, you know, just because of the fact that Felipe Franks is gone. And I think they're going to need, you know, that dynamic running element at some point. But it will be interesting to see, you know, does Flora throw a couple wrinkles out there from a formation standpoint? Uh, maybe not necessarily putting things on tape so that Auburn knows how to defend them, but maybe setting them up uh, for a couple plays. You know, you show you show one look a certain way and then, uh, you know, do it a little bit differently against Auburn. I think that's definitely something that they could do. Um, Blake, I, I wanted to ask you, if, if you're talking about Kyle Trask and his progression, obviously he he's looked very good in the two times we've seen him. But he's obviously going to continue to see some different looks, some different things. If you're Florida's coaches and you have a game like this to prepare to get him ready for Auburn, what are you trying to see out of him? Like, how much are you putting on him this week? Are you, are you trying to see any particular area of improvement in his game? You know, I think you just want to continue to see what you have. And, you know, and I think it could be a lot of comparison to Felipe Franks in his game against UT Martin. I think you just want to see him read a defense, just take what they give, what they give you. Um, yeah, I don't expect him to have to win the game for Florida, but I think you want to continue to get him familiar. You know, last week was his first start since his freshman year of high school, so you want to continue to get him used to being the starter, um, preparing each week as being the starter. You know, leading the team, doing little little things that maybe aren't on the field. I think is what he needs to work on. But I think from seeing from him, I, I think it's just kind of exactly what you saw from Felipe against UT Martin. You want to see him. You know, I, I think Felipe went what twelve passes without making an incompletion in, in that game against UT Martin. So I think you just want to see him. Yeah, I think it was kind actually of fifteen or sixteen. Together. There was a lot. He, he completed, yeah. completed quite a few passes, and I, I think that's what you want to see from Trash. Just see him get comfortable, work on timing. Um, you know, maybe throw a different route out so you can work on timing even more during a game. Like you said, mm-hmm. those game situ- situations that you can't put a, put together in practice. But you know, I think at the same time too, this is a perfect game to get Emory Jones even more play time. You know, I, I don't know that this is a game that. You really need to play Trask past a half if you you know you're getting that what you want to see out of him in a half. You know I just don't know that it's necessarily important for him to play a whole game. You know we really need you to just play this entire game. I don't know that all of those snaps will be completely necessary for him. Well, I think what we've seen from Florida, you know, so far is that I think you're going to see the offensive line rep pretty much throughout the game. You know we've seen that you know against UT Martin and Tennessee, the two cupcake games. You know, um, <laughs> sorry, I had to take a little shot there. Um, but no, the, 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 the starting offensive line has stayed in even after backups have gone in at some of the other positions. And I think, again, part of that is continuing to rep those guys. Blake, I want to like, do you think Florida is, is doing some Auburn prep this week? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that they're starting to work on, we haven't really seen a trick play and you know, Dan Mullen is going to dial one up eventually one point in this season. And I'm sure they're already working on things like that. Um, I know that uh, I believe it was Todd Grantham had told you, I want to say it was maybe in the spring or fall camp that a lot of their game prep, you know, they, they've been prepping for a lot of these SEC games for quite a while. So there's already been more prep going on, but I think now they're starting to maybe work in some new installments to kind of pull out some trick plays because we've seen in those big games, Dan Mullen will pull one out. Yeah, I've got to be honest, the the lack of uh, specifics for Dan Mullen when asked about Towson, um, you never want to overlook an opponent, and obviously Dan Mullen will tell you that. But even going back to the UT Martin game, you know, David Reese was pretty blunt with us that they they had already been looking ahead to Kentucky. I think when you've got an opponent as good as Auburn, I think it's safe to say that the Gators have probably spent some time working on the Tigers uh, of Auburn, not necessarily just Towson this week. So, Blake, <laughs> let's take a quick break. When we get back, I want to kind of dive into one of the topics that's been hot this week. And that is whether or not UF's defense can be elite. We will dive into that right on the other side of this break. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. 
But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm here with Blake Alderman and we are kicking it around One of the big questions this week that has faced Dan Mullen is whether or not Florida's defense is elite or can be elite. And so I wanted to, first off, just kind of toss that question over to Blake. Blake, right now, is Florida's defense an elite unit in your eyes? You know, I think when you have, you know, Jabari Zuniga, you have C.J. Henderson back. You know, I think that they're working on a lot of things that were elite. You know, I think heading into the season, safety was one of the biggest question marks. It was probably one of the biggest contested battles in fall camp. The linebackers were unproven to an extent. You know, obviously we've seen some flashes from Houston. We've seen some flashes from Ventrell Miller. But now we're getting a really more of a fill of, of kind of a, a big collection of their game um, with just how many more snaps they played this year. And then obviously Amari Burney, I think, has exceeded expectations. Do I think they're elite? I think that they have all the pieces to do that. I think they have the pieces to be elite this year. Whenever you have a lot of these veterans that come back, you have a a really good pair in cornerbacks and Marco Wilson and CJ Henderson. Um, Florida's defensive line, I think, across the board is upgraded from last year. Um, the linebackers and safeties have been the biggest question. I think the play you've gotten out of them over the last couple of weeks, you have to be pretty impressed. David Reese has really put together a good body of work. He was great in Kentucky. Um, you can really tell that he, he really gets those guys lined up. So, you know, I think, yeah, I think they are an elite group. But, you know, I think that elite, whenever they are healthy, I think is probably the better way to put it because whenever we've seen them deal with some injuries, the Kentucky game, you know, they, they weren't really getting some push there. It seems like Kentucky could kind of throw it all around them for a while. So I think they are dealing with some injuries that has hampered them. But overall, you know, I think when Florida's defense is healthy and you know, Todd Grantham is really has a good feel for his personnel and I think he can dial it up. And I think it's an elite group. Yeah, I think that's probably a good way to put it. You know, I, I would expect C.J. Henderson probably plays a little bit this weekend. I think he's a little bit ahead of Jabari Zaniga in terms of his recovery. Um, but I think that I, I think what I kind of focus on is week to week. I think the improvements on the defense have been much more obvious than maybe on the offense, you know, with the run game. I think that when you start to look at this Florida defense, obviously the pass rush, what they did against Miami was phenenomenal. Um, you, you're never going to, you know, put up 10 sacks a game. That's obviously unrealistic. But I think we've seen them continue to affect opposing quarterbacks. Certainly Tennessee seemed rattled last week. Um and you've seen them do it in a pretty consistent way in terms of keeping contained in the pocket, which I thought was maybe one of the bigger questions about this unit. For me, I think 
the secondary has probably been the biggest area of improvement. I think that Florida has really kind of honed in on two safeties that are, I would say, head and shoulders better than the other two. And those two guys being Sean Davis, who's really, really done a good job this year and, and kind of started to step up into really an athletic playmaker, which I think that was the difference last year. I think Florida had some safeties that it mostly felt comfortable relying on with John, uh, Donovan Steiner and Juwan Taylor. But neither of those guys were really playmakers, particularly not when you get to you know playing some of these elite teams like the Auburns, the LSUs, the Georgias. I think Sean Davis has the ability to be an elite playmaker. Um, the fact that he's now learned the playbook to the point where you're not really seeing a whole lot of coverage busts from him, um, I think that's a huge positive. Brad Stewart being back, you know, we, we've obviously known that he's extremely talented. Assuming that he can continue to you know stay on the field and not do anything off the field that would jeopardize you know his playing time, I think the, that that group of safeties really gives you some playmaking potential in the back end, which I think can shore up some of the other issues. We talked about Marco Wilson on the last podcast. Obviously, a little bit of a slow start to the season. I thought Saturday was his best game. I know Todd Grantham said the same thing, that he really took strides against Tennessee. And he's the kind of player that you expected at some point to round into form. So you talk about that secondary group with those four guys and adding Henderson in there, and then some of these freshmen being able to fill in for a couple snaps at a time now and having that luxury of some added depth with experience. I think this is a group that is just getting better across the board. The one area of concern I still have, can this line of scrimmage, can this front seven hold up against the better teams in the SEC? Yeah, and that's a fair question to say because, again, Florida's schedule has not—they haven't hit this meat of their schedule yet. You know, whenever you have Auburn, you have LSU, you have Georgia, you have a couple games on the road in South Carolina. Um, so, yeah, you know, I think that—I think that their biggest test is going to be in, in the coming weeks. But so far, I think that what they've put together is impressive, and I think that this unit, like you said, if, if they continue on the track of getting better each week, they're going to really need it for that big, tough chunk of their schedule. Yeah. I think one of the key guys, too, for me, and you mentioned him, Amari Bernie, obviously missed the last two games uh, prior to Tennessee, and I thought he came back and was really good. I still, I, I think part of my thing with him is I'm still not entirely sure how good he's going to be kind of between the tackles. Now, Florida doesn't ask that money linebacker position to do a whole lot between the tackles, and I thought most of the really, really positive plays that you saw out of Bernie last week were kind of chasing down things on the edge, which is maybe something that David Reese struggles with. So I think I think Todd Grantham has a really good idea of his personnel and what they can do. I do wonder a little bit, um, you know, whether Bernie will be able to stick his nose in there against you know some teams that really want to run the ball, uh, kind of between the tackles. And I I don't know how many teams Florida is going to play that are like that. You know, LSU's spreading the ball around a lot more than they ever have, so they're they're much less of the traditional fullback downhill kind of run style that you've seen. Um, but you're going to see some some teams that try to do that, particularly if they see that as a potential spot where they can take advantage of Florida. So that's my one thing. I, w I was really thrilled with Amari Bernie last week. I still would like to see a little bit more because that was still the first game that he really, really jumped off the page to me. Um, and I think when you talk about being able to beat some of these truly elite SEC teams, I think it's going to come down to that front seven and whether or not Florida can basically avoid letting teams extend drives by picking up those three to four yardage chunks. Because these tackles, you know, the defensive tackles, I think they played really well. But if there's one area you say, okay, maybe that's not quite up to you know the Florida of old when you're looking at these elite defenses, I think that's probably the spot. 
Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, I, I think whenever you look at the edge guys, John Grenard, Jabari Zaniga, you know, those guys have it, – it's very obvious the impact they've made on a defense. And, you know, while we've seen some flashes from the interior guys, you know, Adam Schuler, um, Kyrie Campbell, it just doesn't – you know, I, I think a lot of Florida fans are used to those Sharif Floyds, Dominique Easley, those mm-hmm. guys that are quick that can really disrupt things. And I, I don't know that that's exactly what Florida has on the defensive line this year. Obviously, their edge guys are great, but they just don't have that – they just don't have those guys that really can, you know, use those finesse moves and get to the quarterback and kind of rush them around. It just seems like, you know, they're more of a, you know, those bull rusher guys that are, you know, going to take some linemen and kind of take off some, open up some blocking lanes at least for, you know, these linebackers, um, you know, for all this chaos that Todd Grantham sends at the at the quarterbacks. Well, Blake, I think that's kind of a good uh, area to transition. I wanted to, you know, having Towson this week and not maybe quite as big of a game, I wanted to transition to kind of your area of expertise, that being recruiting, obviously. Um Let's flip things around a little bit. Let's let's talk about some of those remaining areas in need for this 2020 class. Um, I know defensive tackle, you know, we we're just talking about it, is obviously a big one. Florida's done a pretty good job there. So fill us in. Do, do the Gators need any more interior linemen? If not, where are some of the remaining needs for you that you see in this this recruiting class? You know, I think Florida does need some defensive linemen on the interior spot, and I, I think that the fact that they're still trying to press a guy who's committed Alabama and Sebastian River uh, defensive tackle Timothy Smith. Um, they've had him on campus several times. He's committed to Alabama, but he's been pretty upfront while solid to Alabama. He's been very upfront in the fact that it, it, it's kind of a placeholder commitment and the fact that, yes, I'm committed. Yes, I see myself going to Alabama, but yes, I'm also going to take multiple visits to schools. He's, mis- he's uh, mentioned visits to Florida. He's mentioned visits to Georgia. I'm not quite sure Georgia has really been involved in this recruitment. I, I do think that Florida is a big threat to pull off a flip here, and I do think that if they are able to land him, I think that that's probably where Florida is going to be good for their defensive line class. Um, obviously, Javon Dexter, um, guy who's cussed five-star on 24-7 sports rankings, is a big guy they have on the way in. Uh, Johnny Brown, another athletic guy. Um, who's on the way um, from uh, Sebring High School. I mean, Johnny Brown, he, he's one of those guys that doesn't come with a lot of size like what you would see on the frame of Jervon Dexter. Jervon Dexter's, you know, a 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, type guy with, you know, He's really, I think, a good fit of him is Calais Campbell from the from the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think that's a good comparison to his a player. But Johnny uh, Johnny Brown, he's a guy that actually will line up at wide receiver for seven on seven teams. So he's a very athletic defensive <laughs> tackle. Nuts. So that's one of those guys that I think that you know when you talk about those athletic finesse types of defensive tackles, you need to add some weight on his frame. I don't expect him to be a guy that jumps in and, and you know makes an instant impact for the team. But if you can keep that kind of speed and athleticism and add some weight to him. I mean, that's a scary guy that you can out on the defensive line. So, you know, I think as far as Florida, they have some guys that they're recruiting on the uh, kind of those big, uh, you know, five technique defensive ends and a guy like Jay Hardy out of Tennessee, um, Zacchaeus Walker, a guy out of South Georgia. You know, I don't know that Florida's really going to land either of those guys, so I don't know that they really have very many guys that jump out to me as, as more, you know, more of those strong side defensive ends that I can see making their way into the class. But I think Florida's done a good job of adding some guys. You know, I think Javon Dexter, while he's listed as a defensive tackle, he has that frame and that and that versatility to kind of move to the outside, maybe play some defensive end, move to the inside and play some interior. I know David Turner has um, kind of compared him to a lot of his guys that he's coached at Texas A&M. Um, so, you know, I, I think that defensive line, I think Florida's done a great job, but I think Timothy Smith would be one of those guys to really cap things off. I think when you really look at the body of work Florida has – they have a big need at safety. 
Um, I think that they obviously Rashad Torrance is a guy they have committed now, and I think he's a guy that's probably uh, rated a little low. But obviously he didn't he didn't play his junior year, so there's not a lot of tape there. So I think this year is a chance for him to maybe possibly uh, move up the rankings. Avante Williams, uh, the Oregon commit out of Deland, Florida, is probably Florida's top guy at safety right now. They've been chipping away at that commitment. He's gotten on campus a couple times. I'm sure he'll pop up for a game eventually. He's a guy that kind of moves in secrecy, um, but Florida is is in a good place there. Florida boy going all the way to Oregon. I, I think that's going to be – there's some miles there, and I think that's going to be a factor that we watch as, as things kind of proceed down uh, down the stretch here. I, I think probably if you look at the biggest need for Florida, I think it's still wide receiver. Uh, you have Leonard yeah. Manuel in the class who just is moving from uh, his high school where he would draw on um, from uh, – he would drew from uh, Vanguard High School, and now he's at Stranahan High School down in Fort Lauderdale. I think he has some work that he needs to continue to do, but – um, they have a guy in, in Jaquavion Frazier's that's committed in the class still, but there's still plenty. Of, when you have such a, a veteran group at wide receiver and, and maybe haven't recruited so much over the last couple of years of, of maybe a deep class at wide receiver, um, Xavier Henderson, he's the younger brother of CJ Henderson on Florida's roster now. I think he's probably one of the top guys target wise for them. Florida has really kind of battled against Clemson so far. Um, I, I think a lot of people have expected Clemson as, as the top school, and while I, I think there's a lot of truth in that, this is a kid who's been a Clemson lean since I think like January, and here we are. He's still not committed. He doesn't seem to be any kind of rush to make a commitment. Clemson only has one spot left at wide receiver, and, and they're kind of juggling a couple guys. So I think him kind of waiting things out could be a little bit of a dangerous game for him. He will be at Alabama this weekend for an official visit. It's his first trip. I think Clemson and Florida are probably the two teams to watch there. Um, there's plenty other wide receiver guys that are really looking at. I, I think Arian Smith is a guy Florida would really like to get some traction with. He's a mm-hmm. four-star out of Lakeland High School. Really kind of seems he's heading out of state. Clemson just offered. Uh, Georgia has had a lot of buzz there, and so has Alabama. So, you know, I think wide receiver is, is another group Florida needs to continue to hit on. Um, offensive tackle, looking for those true offensive tackles. While Florida has really done a good job adding some depth, um, they, they haven't really added a guy that's a true offensive tackle. They've had a, a lot of guys that can kind of play some guard. They can play some tackle. Some of those swing guys, and I think Isaiah Walker Jr., the four-star out of Miami, uh, Norland High School, is probably the guy that ends up in Florida's class. He's he's not been shy whatsoever over the last several weeks that Florida's the leader, and it seems like they have a pretty wide lead. How long he waits things out, I think, is kind of the, the, the waiting game that Florida has to play there because he does like Miami a lot, but I do think that Florida has a pretty substantial lead when you look at kind of how Miami season's gone compared to Florida's and, and how the offensive line has kind of played a little bit um, better each week for Florida. I think that that's kind of been something that's caught his eye. So, you know, I think wide receiver, um, I, I think defensive tackle, if you can add a guy like Timothy uh, Smith to the roster, I think you add an elite guy um, in state. And obviously you flip a guy from Alabama too. So wide receiver safety. And I, I think offensive tackle are probably the bigger needs out of those, but defensive mm-hmm. tackle, don't get me wrong. You know, Tim Smith is one of the top guys for Florida on the board still. Yeah. Well, I mean, you talk about, you know, Dan Mullen's been harping on it really the last two weeks Florida's got to get and stay healthy and part of that is well they're under the 85 man scholarship limit by a good bit you know this season and so you've got to continue to build that depth continue to round out the roster um, and that's, a, that's I think that's a pretty good overview of where things stand I think the 2020 class is shaped up pretty good so far I think like you said you add a couple more of these difference makers you know a Henderson a, you know an Isaiah Walker I think all of a sudden you start to feel a lot better about the overall trajectory of the program and and really being able to create some depth that, you know, you're maybe not sweating so much week to week an injury to, a, you know, a Jabari Zaniga or Chris Henderson. 
Yeah, you know, and I think Florida, obviously, they still have a need to fill this cycle at running back. They've added some new targets to the board. Um, and Jameer Gibbs, he's a guy out of Georgia. They've added another offer and a guy out of Henry Parrish. And down in South Florida, he's a pit commit. Um, doesn't seem very solid in that commitment because he's got some bigger schools that are still coming after him. But I don't know that Florida's done a great job recruiting at running back. I don't know that's a big need overall in the grand scheme of things. But if you're looking at this cycle, I expect them to take a running back. And those two seem like the the major targets right now, um, along with EJ Smith, the son of uh, Emmett Smith, who will be on an official visit to Florida next weekend. Yeah, I mean, that's key. You got to keep adding adding talent to each spot. You know, I'm, I'm as big a Damian Pierce fan as anybody. I think he's going to be a a heck of a player once Michael Pirine's gone, but you got to keep stacking talent on talent in this league. So, yeah, uh, Blake, especially whenever you know, especially also too, whenever you have Georgia, you have LSU on the roster or oh, yeah. schedule every year. I mean, these are guys that they're notoriously in the top five, top ten recruiting classes every year. So, I mean, Florida's, you know, it's kind of unlucky for Florida to have all these teams that they go against, obviously. But you know, you just have to continue to stockpile talent, and it's just it's it's part of the game now. I mean, Georgia's got five stars transferring out. I mean, I know Florida landed one, but you can't you can't count on that every time. So, yeah, no, that's uh, I think Dan Mullen and his staff understand that. I think obviously, you know, we talked about it in the a previous episode. They've restructured the recruiting department. But Blake, uh, unless you got anything to add, I think that'll do it for this episode. No, I'm all, all right. good. All right, guys. Well, we will see you on Sunday breaking down the Florida Towson game. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.